Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm your host, Andrew Davidson, based in New York, and today is the last episode of season four. Time flies and it has been quite a year. That's perhaps an understatement. The Collins English Dictionary recently revealed its 2022 word of the year to be permacrisis, a term to describe an extended period of instability and insecurity, especially one resulting from a series of catastrophic events. I think that sums it up quite well. Um, I'm sure many of you like me are looking forward to a well-earned break, but how are you feeling? The fast pace of daily life, growing use of technology and having to move from crisis to crisis are creating fatigue among consumers. So if you are feeling fatigued, you're not alone. In fact, at Mintel, we have identified this as a global consumer trend called hyper fatigue that will manifest itself next year and beyond. In today's episode, we're going to break it down. What is it? How is it impacting consumers? How is it evolving? And where can brands help? Joining me on the pod to discuss the implications of hyper fatigue, I'm delighted to welcome Tom Slide and Namadas of Anantha in London and Mike Gallinari in Chicago. Welcome to the pod. Hi. Hi. Hello, everyone. All right, please introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, so I'm Tom Slide. I'm um, category director for the media and technology stream um, in the UK. And I've been at Mintel for eight, nearly eight years now. Hi, uh, I'm Namada. I'm a trends analyst. Um, I'm based in the UK. Um, I, tr- I cover content uh, for UK and Ireland. And uh, I've been at Mintel for, I think, almost four years now. And I'm Mike. I'm the senior travel and leisure analyst here in the US. Uh, and I've been with Mintel for just about five years. Excellent. Well, welcome, everybody. Well, let's start at the beginning. What does it mean when we say we have identified a Mintel global consumer trend? I think um, when we kind of go through the process of, of of sort of brainstorming these trends, like we try to find where sort of common themes arise. And this is something that definitely we sort of identified um, in many different sectors and many different spaces, how fatigue, fatigue in general sort of came up in, in the tech space um, when we kind of looked at sort of financial fatigue and, and in other spaces as well when it comes to experiences. But the main focus sort of at first was was with tech um, sort of coming out of the pandemic. We did develop a lot of habits that involved technology, that involved apps. Um, we were already quite reliant on it already, I suppose, um, before the pandemic, but mm-hmm. we just didn't have a choice um, when restrictions were in place and we couldn't see our loved ones and we couldn't see our friends. You know, we relied on Zoom calls and, um, you know, using apps to to navigate every aspect of our, of our life, which a lot of which has sort of, we have carried that forward. Um, and I think sort of when we started brainstorming the concept a bit further, um, we sort of looked at, you know, how this could have it sort of manifests into financial fatigue, um, looking at inflation. A lot of us are, you know, budgeting and looking for sort of budget focused deals. And, um, you know, we're using apps to try and save money, um, you know, with rising energy bills now, it's a huge concern. You know, how can we use tech to, you know, um, navigate our way through that? Um, and I think coming out of the pandemic as well, um, a lot of us sort of, there's a lot of pent up demand for, for lots of different experiences, but there's so much to do out there that a lot of us have that sense of FOMO, like, what if we can't do it all? Um, you know, 
there's, there's so much out there, but so little time to do it in. And sometimes due to financial restrictions, there's very little money to do them. So um, there's that sense of anxiety and almost restlessness, I suppose, um, not being able to... Um, not being able to to do to do everything, um, it's not in our capacity. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's I guess that's how the the trend sort of developed initially. I mean, we, it's interesting because we've talked about disconnecting from technology in the past, and you mentioned technology there. And but I mean, I look around; it seems everybody's on their phones constantly. I'm I'm always on my phone, you know. So why why are we talking about this hyper fatigue trend now? I mean, what's changed? What's really changed? I think that. As I said, sort of before the pandemic, we did we did see the benefits of how tech sort of helped us sort of sort of navigate our daily routines. But the pandemic certainly we did become very sort of dependent on tech. And I think now we use it for absolutely everything. Like I, I, I agree with you. Like I sometimes I feel like I've struggled to put down my phone and I feel like I need a break from it. Um but now this seems to be like an app for absolutely everything. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the way it sort of adheres to our convenience, um, that's not going to go away. And I think that's one of the reasons why we can't completely disconnect from technology. I think that's not, not the point of, of the trend. I think hyper fatigue is not something that, that we're going through right now. It's definitely something that we would that we want to prevent from happening. Um, and so the focus is on trying to establish a healthier relationship with tech so that so that we can we can still use it um, in the future without getting tired and um impatient and um you know we get to a point where we're as you said initially fatigued with tech. Um, you know, we want to we want to make sure that we can still use it in our in our daily lives. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's drill down. I mean, see, I mean, who specifically then is it impacting? And you know, is it are we? Are we let's think about different demographics, different behaviours. You know, how is it playing out in different regions, for example? I mean, I, I'd step in about the from a technology perspective. Um, Going back, I mean, we'd already seen talking as you did about about people avoiding technology even prior to the pandemic, and we saw younger people. Already, we saw this kind of this, this small group starting to drift away from smartphones. So we saw smartphone ownership start to, uh, amongst the under thirty fives, start to fall slightly as we as we went in towards the pandemic. Now, during the pandemic, obviously, suddenly everything had to be done by phone. Uh, everything had to be accessed digitally, and so what we saw was that bump back up again, and everyone had to basically get themselves a phone if they'd sort of drifted away for it. And we had a few people going to sort of what they call dumb phones, which, you know, not smartphones, and to try to get away from tech. Since the end of the pandemic, we've seen that kind of trend return where you've got this small group of people, particularly under 35, start to drift away again, start to say, actually, you know, I know my limits and I want to I want to switch off. Um 30% of people think that technology has a negative effect on our mental health. And it's this this always being aware, always having notifications going off, always being pinged about stuff, being just sucked into, um, you know, all kinds of things. So, you know, technology is everywhere. Social media always sucking you in and, and a growing number of people kind of being aware and being conscious of wanting to um, wanting to avoid it. And we've seen that drive the demand for things like uh, screen free um entertainment uh, so podcasts for example have become really popular as a way of accessing entertainment without having to to, to, to still look at a, a screen the whole time uh, and this is particularly popular amongst the younger generations because they are so embedded in technology and digital worlds so actually it's it's 
Generation Z who are most likely to say that they're trying to cut down on screen time. So 27% of them say they're actively trying to cut down screen time. 33% of them say they've listened to a podcast, which is more than any other any other age group. So it's it's that it's that group who are most exposed to technology that I think are kind of driving this trend, which in some ways is is surprising. Yes. Uh, and here in the States, we are observing, um, particularly among uh, younger adults, uh, a big rise in loneliness. And I think that a lot of the technological uh, adoption and use that happened during the pandemic, uh, it gave rise to things like doom scrolling. And suddenly you see uh, everyone's problems and <laughs> you have nowhere to go. So you just sort of hang out in your house or your apartment and scroll through and just look at all of these problems and uh, increasing your anxiety and kind of creating this feedback loop of sort of your own loneliness and isolation. So I think that there's um, a a big mental health component uh, to this idea of hyper fatigue, where it's not just sort of, uh, as the name would imply, like a sort of getting worn out uh, by everything going on in the world, but having it actually affect you and, and internalizing it. Um, and from there, that's where we'll see a lot of uh, a lot of activities and attitudes and, and reactions to those feelings happen. And I think that, you know, Tom uh, put it nicely about, um, you know, trying to go away from tech, which is one solution um, and, and not necessary, even though it's not necessarily what the trend is getting at. But, yeah, I mean, earlier in the season, we had um, an episode on TikTok and actually we discussed that, you know, that what you were talking about a bit there, Mike, about this whole idea of like doom scrolling and how you, I certainly with the, the evolution of TikTok and the launch of things like Instagram Reels, of course, people are getting even more sucked in. Um by yeah, the TikTok algorithm, for example, how much is social media then really fueling this trend? I think just to just to go off what Mike said there um, about sort of uh, you know affecting um, sort of using social media and how it affects our mental health. You know, sort of repeatedly sort of scrolling endlessly um, through reels, as you're saying, um, through videos, through posts, um, and I think it, I guess like we just need to be reminded that. That there's that tech is functional mm. and it has functional benefits and um i think platforms like tiktok it's hugely influential um very popular um but it's so easy to go down a rabbit hole um and just like follow numerous accounts and you just end up spending two hours uh scrolling through and and you don't even know how you got there um but i think that TikTok has actually um, introduced quite a few initiatives um, that have brought communities together. I feel like this year there was it, it launched um, a book club uh, for like avid readers um, to come together and uh, discuss their ideas about about a specific book and share their share their reviews. Um, I think that was a that was a really interesting initiative, and it's a good way for um, for for the platform to kind of steer away from sort of being focused as something that sort of where people are constantly posting and it being sort of um a platform that you know is being used for like sharing photos for example or like sharing videos or um just solely focused on that but it sort of 
yeah, it sort of serves the community and adheres to your interests as well. Um, I think during the pandemic, a lot of people were really focused on sort of home cooking, for example, and that's something that's that momentum has definitely followed through um, sort of in in the last year. Um, and a lot of people have sort of like been interested in sort of international flavors, for example, and TikTok has really um, facilitated that interest. I think it's really um been a lot of influencers who've been sharing their material on how to to make various different dishes like ramen for example and a lot of them have gone viral um so there's another example of how it can be functional um and it's it's a good knowledge sharing platform as well um and i think that's definitely something that brands should leverage mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say i think that's I think that's a, a really good point i think the thing about tech is it's so easy to say and social media especially it's so easy to say you know it's it take a negative view of it say it's it's damaging people get sucked in and they just you know yes your access you, you, you get into this kind of doom scrolling as we would call it and you're you're you're, you're, you're seeing all this information going around in the world and obviously people only put on social media the best bits of their lives so you see the idealized view of everyone else's life and it just makes you feel bad about your own and all those kind of issues which we all know about social media but at the same time it's not it's not black and white in that way there's lots of really good stuff about social media it helps people to engage and socialize and meet people um the book talk is a, gr- yeah, a great example of, of of where people can come together and share ideas about books and review books and is now a major driver of the book industry because it's just mm. such a good way of people engaging in that space so there's a real nuance it, it's about how these technologies are used and that's why it comes down to not just reducing how much tech you're using but actually you know you now have to use tech to get around in daily lives but actually how can you how can you make that better how can you focus on on kind of well-being and making sure that that experience of technology doesn't it isn't damaging to your to your kind of mental health and yeah on the brand side it's about leveraging the utility of social media into activation off of it so going off of the book talk example uh, we have a report on reading habits uh, among american consumers coming out later this month and in that we found that social media is the number one source of discovery for uh for finding new books or or other reading materials um from what i've seen in in other industries usually personal recommendations uh take that top slot but here it's uh of all social media and of course tiktok is through book talk the most um the fastest growing uh, of this so uh there's this big especially among millennials and someone among gen z too this big disconnect between wanting to read more uh but having specifically saying that tech is distracting them so the big challenge for for uh, booksellers and publishers is to promote the use of social media as a means of discovery while simultaneously encouraging offline action and kind of bridging that disconnect uh, that currently exists. Yeah, it's interesting. It sounds like what you're always saying is it's all about sort of, you know, making sure that you get the balance right in terms of these platforms, in terms of how they impact behavior rather than just suck up your time um i mean and also kind of thinking though about that hyper fatigue the this whole idea you know we started off talking also about how being lurching from crisis to crisis you know and of course 
this is how we, a lot of people are getting their news, obviously getting it online, getting it through social media. I mean, you know, you get drawn to these, obviously these platforms to get to stay up to date uh, with the news. And uh, as we lurch from crisis to crisis, it seems like there's more of that than, than ever. Yeah, and I think how we get how we get news is a is a big driver of, of of this fatigue. And in many ways, I think you know we talk about going from crisis to crisis. And yes, you know, it does feel like that very much at the moment. Some of the crises we've been through are, are huge. But in some ways, it's also just the level of awareness of all these crises mm-hmm. because technology makes us so aware of everything that is going on all the time, everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's there are some big things which have been quite unique in the last few years. But then there's also just this constant supply of of information about everything and that's that's the nature of technology that you can access you know bad things going on anywhere in the world anytime that you just wouldn't have heard about 10 years ago and that all compounds to make to make everything um more challenging for consumers that they're they're constantly being being aware of all these things and so i think going back to in terms of how you use technology it's also just about kind of segmenting it and i think for brands it's about creating kind of safe space that that gives people time and space to, to to kind of break away from that perhaps you know and obviously with my travel i think is a, is a prime example of that where it's you know brands can give people a, it's, a, it's escapism in many ways you know you want to give people that space to get away from the the worries of the world sorry and, the, and then you kind of throw into the mix not only are people getting all of this information but now there's the extra step of verifying the information because there are so many bad actors out there that are providing incomplete or or outright misinformation that now if you hear about something you know a lot of people have that instinct well now i have to verify this what's the source what's this source say about other things are they even a legitimate source and it can short circuit people uh into just checking out or it can you know, lead them down a rabbit hole of conspiracy theory or just find what's accurate but they come out really tired really fatigued after it so you know it it really underscores the need for trust um and you know especially on on the brand side as this sort of specter of mistrust is is permeating throughout the kind of theme that we're going for um trust is really an important part uh to to get consumers uh, on board I feel fatigued just tackling this topic. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like the flip side to that, to your point, Mike, is that um, I guess people are very, um, they do scrutinize and they're very critical now of various different tech platforms or solutions or products or um, brands themselves. And, you know, they want to know the real value of what, of what they're, of what they're getting. And I think when they, when they get that, um, I think that, that removes a sense of fatigue um, because now they have the right information and, and they're their own sort of monitor, um, I guess. Um, and I think having that knowledge is very empowering um, and it, it definitely helps to kind of um, offset that level of fatigue almost. Yeah, I would completely agree. I think one of the most exhausting things for consumers is is that is that trust of knowing who to trust and why to trust. And actually, for brands, there's a huge opportunity there. That if you have a trusted brand, then then like you say, you can shortcut that and and enter into that space. You know, if you've got you know, let's say uh, a, a retailer, so I'm thinking, you know, in in the UK, say you've got someone like John Lewis, who you would trust. You know, who's got high levels of trust in the UK. And if they launch something 
um, they did a game, um, sort of like Insta gaming. I think it was Roblox. They did it, and you know they can enter into these spaces, and you can have more trust. It's a brand name that you trust, which is creating an experience or something that's going on, uh, and that's kind of easier than then having to having to assess and look for sources and decide whether it's something or not you think you trust. You know, you can you believe in in them to look after your data or to to protect you from sort of bad actors online and things like that. And brands can leverage that into digital spaces, into dig- digital experiences. Okay, I mean, one of it. What we do, obviously, when we develop these global consumer trends at Mintel, of course, is we have this framework of hyper fatigue, and then to sort of apply it and think about it through different categories, different industries. Let, let's drill down further then on two categories specifically that will be directly impacted by this trend: hyper fatigue, uh, technology, and travel. Uh, how do you think hyper fatigue will play out in your respective categories? So, I think in in technology there's there's different aspects to this so in for for online platforms particularly with the social media platforms we see an increasing number of um kind of self-control um options so people can track how long they're spending online and we're seeing more platforms take an awareness that this is important to consumers that they shouldn't just suck them down into a rabbit hole and and pretty much all of the social media platforms now offer some kind of some some method of tracking how long you spend on these platforms uh, and reducing it if you need to. Most phones do a similar thing, so I think Apple and Android both have features which allow you to track that. And so this this kind of this ability to track and control um, your how much you're using technology is becoming more more common, and I think will continue to be so. The other aspect. Um, of technology that we haven't really talked about yet is around um, wearables. So wearables are becoming far more popular um, as time. It's driven primarily at the moment by uh, smart watches. So um, I think about a fifth of people in the UK now have some kind of smart watch. Um, and this obviously gives you the ability to track uh, exercise, track your heart rates, track, and, and increasingly they can track all sorts of different things, including your stress levels. Um, and then can and can then use that to give you kind of personalized recommendations to go and take more exercise or, or or it can assess your sleep and give you tips to sleep better it can do things like mixing the the, the two from what i said before and, and it can recommend that you don't look at your phone or go on tiktok you know in, in the hour before you go to bed which is probably a good advice for people getting better sleep and so i think these kind of using technology to uh, regulate your access to technology is a, is a slightly circular thing, but it's something we're increasingly seeing and I think is going to continue to grow um, in the next few years. And there's also huge opportunities in new spaces for technology, particularly around things like virtual reality um, and accessing services, particularly for sort of health and counselling, which would be very hard to access in the physical world or expensive to access. And you can you can enter into them online or in you know, let's say an immersive kind of digital spaces that you can access these services and protect your and look after your sort of personal well-being. So there's quite a lot going on in tech and, and it's only going to grow in the next few years. Which, so Tom, would you say that uh, wearables in particular, would there, are they a symptom of the trend or a solution to the, to the or an antidote to, the, to this trend? As with everything in technology, I'd say it's both. It can go either way and it depends how you use it. So the challenge with wearables is that you can obviously it can help you it can help you assess your fitness and so people use it brilliantly um to 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 track their fitness and their health and you know that sort of thing but at the same time one of the one of the main reasons people don't buy fitness trackers is because they think it's stressful to see you know to, to see these alerts so, you know it's, it's very stressful having alerts constantly pinging up and saying when i first got my uh, smartwatch which is quite old now but when i first got it and it had all these alerts which tell you if you've been sat down for 15 minutes it 
just keeps buzzing on you to get moving, which is very annoying when you've been sat in a meeting for 15 minutes. And it just says, <laughs> get moving. And that, well, I can't, I'm in a meeting. Um, so it, it, it can be, and, and that's the other thing, seeing how stressed you are can be stressful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, it can, these, all of these things can still go, can go either way. It depends how you, you use it. And, you know, as consumers, technology for most of us is still kind of fairly new and it's evolving so fast that we need tips and support and advice on kind of how to use it and how much time to spend on it. Um, and sometimes these things are helpful and, and sometimes they're, they're not so helpful, even if they're, even if they're well-meaning. I mean, in the financial services space, there's obviously been a big trend towards kind of tracking your finances. Sure. Probably no, Andrew, and, you know, being able to manage your spending. Sometimes that's really good to see everything you've spent money on, but I think sometimes it's also really stressful and, you know, it can make you spend even more if you can see constantly everything you're doing. So all of these things can kind of go different ways. Uh, Some things work for some people, some things don't. Um, And so there's probably going to be a greater kind of personalization as well over time as as people realize what works for them and what doesn't. So that's why I don't have a scale in my house is because I don't need to see exactly how much I've let myself go during the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was going to say that obviously those wearables will be, you know, probably a popular gift this Christmas, this holiday season. Um, that uh, which is my sort of segue into travel. Of course, people are going to be getting into obviously on the road, um, in the air, flying and, and traveling over the holiday season. Uh, how do you think this uh, really applies to travel, Mike? So uh, it applies in a couple of ways. I think the most acute ramification that we're seeing of as it relates to hyper fatigue is this idea of, well, first there's the continuation of this sort of um, choice paralysis that we're seeing on the research and booking side. This was a growing concern um, in the industry as more information was put out online at the turn of the century. uh, And people had this question of, oh, do we even need travel agents anymore if people can research and book on their own? And to a degree, especially then the young generation millennials were saying, yeah, I can do this all on my own. But now that everyone has put their information out, there's there's an overwhelming amount of it. And now we're seeing a return to wanting travel advisors to uh, make help make the best choices and kind of filter out the 99% of the information that isn't relevant to you and you don't want to know. Um, I think compounding this out of the pandemic are the fact that the one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, motivation for travel is relaxation over about 60 percent say this is motivation in the coming months for for their travel um but what i found really interesting in some of the data that we've got coming back looking forward into travel in 2023 is how important that having quote unquote the best vacation you can is so i believe that travelers especially are putting a lot of pressure on themselves to make travel worthwhile, especially coming out of lockdowns over the past couple of years, especially given inflation, um, creating uh, increasing prices for everything. Um, immediately after vaccines became widely available, uh, air, uh, airfares was one of the biggest uh, areas of inflation uh, in the U.S. Um, 
and just sort of this overall idea of, well, and not only that, but inflation uh, limiting the amount of travel people are doing. People are also saying that they're more more likely than anything to take uh, fewer trips in a year bec- directly because of inflation. Mm. So you have people taking fewer trips, putting the pressure on them to make them as good as they can and trying to filter through all of the information. It's really uh, making it important for uh, things like travel advisors to help out, booking brands to uh, make the process seamless and more relevant. And then on the ground, uh, it's up to the the staff, uh, airline staff, hotel staff to really help out travelers and, and make their visit uh, the best that they can um, with the pressure there of there being a labor shortage on that side. So it's it's a really interesting, a lot of pressures running against each other mm. in travel right now in what are you know increasing stakes uh, for, for the consumer and for the brand as well. I think it's really interesting because um, maybe maybe this stems from from being isolated for so long due to the pandemic. But as you say, there's this sort of increased pressure um, to make sure that experiences um, deliver for consumers, um, and you know they want things to be perfect. Um, but I think that you know using tech and using using those platforms to make sure everything is. Is, is absolutely perfect on their trip. I think it takes away from the sense of spontaneity, which is one of the reasons why people like to travel in the first place. Um, and I think that's something that I'm, I'm personally looking to do. Like I remember talking to my friends over the weekend and we were planning a trip uh, for next year. And I said, one of the things I want to do is just to not have an itinerary. I don't want anything planned because everything has become quite routine for many of us here. Um, and I think tech does definitely play into that. Um, so this is definitely something for brands to consider for sure. Where are you going to go? Um, I think we mentioned Italy. I think, um, yeah, I think Italy is definitely, definitely on the list. So you're not going to just show up at the airport and uh, <laughs> I, I, I heard that is a, that is a trend. <laughs> but obviously if travel as a whole you know kind of even more so like regardless if you do it, if it how you do it if travel as a whole is partly um an antidote to this hyper fatigue of course we are you know i just see a headline this morning that delta expects its earnings to double in 2023 you know we, i i saw a, a quote from the ceo ceo of airbnb who said that he thinks we're entering this sort of golden age of travel so um yeah, perhaps travel obviously is uh, is it's obviously part of the solution to this. Um, all right, so let's uh, just sort of quickly just think then through about how you know is this is this a how long term is this trend? Are, are we going to see this playing out beyond twenty twenty three? How how enduring is that? I mean, I, I I mean, I say I think it's an enduring trend. I think as we mentioned, our uh, this experience of kind of crises whether they are actually more frequent or whether your just experience of them is more frequent because we have so much more access to information is not something that is going to change um and consumers are going to have you know to deal with this massive increase in in information and for me moving forward mike touched on it earlier about the importance of curation people are now so overwhelmed with information um on everything from from 
travel to what books to read to um to, you know what music to listen to or podcast there's so much of everything and, and particularly with a lot of the uh, online retailers as well they kind of became popular because they just had so much available to choose from and increasingly what you're starting to see is a return to uh, in some ways old-fashioned curation where you just want someone who knows what they're talking about mm. to give you a a smaller selection to choose from uh, and whether that be travel agents in travel whether that be some of the more traditional retailers um, online using their skills their more traditional skills in retailing effectively to put together a smaller selection of things to choose from um, and whether that be you know spotify you know choosing and, and personalized playlist based on your mood there's lots of things that brands in different areas can do in order to just make life that little bit easier for people mm. to to take that pressure of that choice paralysis um when they're looking for what to do so they want to feel um spontaneous they don't you know they don't they want to feel like they're being pressured into doing anything but at the same time you know you want to kind of be guided through that process so it's not quite as stressful um so i i, I think personally i think this is a this is a long-term trend and i think brands will always probably sh should have done for a long time and will continue to consider the importance of um of consumers well-being and their mental health in the in the sort of propositions mm. they're they're developing whether that be you know retail stores whether that be holidays whether that be um platforms for for, for music or social media or anything you know considering the impact this can have on, on mental health and, and well-being and look for ways to uh, to support people to overcome that do you do you uh, do you both agree do you think we'll still be talking about hyper fatigue this time next year I think I agree to an extent. I think that um, because we 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 have used tech for quite some time, it's it's not something that we can remove ourselves from. But uh, but just knowing and seeing the functional benefits and seeing tech as a functional asset, I feel um, will help um, to I guess help us navigate navigate that tool a bit more. Um, I think that. Um, yeah, as Tom said, there's just so much information out there. Um, I'm just wondering, like, from a brand's perspective and from a consumer's perspective, this is probably one of the reasons why they're so receptive to, like, limited edition offers, for example. Um, you know, sometimes you see sort of retailers or even restaurants introducing, like, concepts just for a short period of, period of time. And, um, you know, there's a lot of demand for it, but it just sort of narrows down, um, mm. like, your options a little bit more. Um, and just having something available constantly can and sort of further sort of exacerbate that pressure, I guess, um, to constantly opt for it. I think, um, I think it's, as far as travel goes, we'll be thinking about this for a long time, uh, not necessarily from the uh, technology aspect, but more from uh, what you said earlier, Andrew, about permacrisis. Uh, so right now uh, we're dealing with, of course, the, um, the invasion of Ukraine, which from for travel is closing off large areas, uh, Eastern Europe, to, to tourists, but is also diverting flights and making them more expensive as airspace is is blocked off over these countries that are involved. Um, but then you have the the sort of rise of being more conscious about your travel decisions. And with one of the big sort of storylines of the World Cup being the, uh, the, the ethical implications behind the development of the stadiums in Qatar and, and how the government conducts its policies uh, and how 
how it wants to sort of strengthen its bona fides in the region. Um, I think more more Western tourists are going to start questioning um, going to 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 the area or even uh, going through that area as Qatar and some of the other uh, Middle Eastern airlines. Uh, that's a big waypoint to get to. Um, to Asia. Uh, and then of course we have the sort of the ever present, uh, climate crisis. Um, and as we, uh, as we've seen, there's been a growing concern about sustainability. Travel is a huge area of both responsibility and improvement. Uh, airlines are responsible for 3% of global emissions. Um, so, and they're probably, they probably got the toughest road ahead of them as far as becoming carbon neutral. So we're seeing, uh, reactions to, to flying mostly in Europe, um, with this idea of flig scam or flight shaming where people are feeling shame or shaming others for taking a flight where they could have taken a train. Um, it's not so much here in the States as we don't have as robust of a, of a train system. So, but even these ideas of, do I want to take a more sustainable option? Do I even know what a more sustainable option is? That's a huge, that's a huge area. Uh, and then of course, uh, just the, uh, just climate change affecting destinations. Uh, how soon are some of these destinations going to be, uh, barred because they need to be preserved or disappear because of rising tides or coral bleaching or, or the Everglades, uh, in turning over to salt water and how will that affect uh, the movement of tourists who wanted to go there and now have to go somewhere else. Now those areas are being overcrowded. So we've got a lot of these compounding factors in travel that we have to think about. And there's no one solution because there's no one problem. Uh, and, and for consumers, this is going to be sort of a crisis of conscious as much as it is a climate crisis. And I think that in a lot of ways, you'll start seeing that reflected uh, in the price increases for travel. And then, of course, all of the knock-on effects for consumers that that, that, that happens. It's interesting from the travel perspective, the, the technology I've seen recently, obviously, Google Maps um has added a feature whereby you can if you if you search if you want to go somewhere travel to somewhere it will give you the option not just the fastest option um but the most environmentally friendly options as well i've noticed it started adding um and so i've it, it says you know you could you could obviously there's you could say oh there's a train or you know you could cycle this trip or, or it will say um you could drive this route which will use up less less fuel because it's um i don't know you, you not a start stop or whatever it's quite interesting feature and they've also added i noticed um that when you search for hotels it'll tell you which ones are environmentally friendly or not so all of these things you know technology is it, yeah is starting to you know provide solutions to help people navigate this these really difficult conundrums of actually just knowing what what are the best options and, and giving that that information out there and we, we are seeing that people will uh, are inclined to pay some degree more for uh, a more sustainable option when there are two options that are otherwise identical. Um, so, yeah, like Google Flight saying, oh, this flight will use 20% fewer emissions than a flight normally on this route or 5% more. Uh, to, so to kind of help educate and, and inform uh, travelers, which is a huge starting point in the industry is is even just informing what sustainable travel is, what goes into it, how to be more sustainable when traveling. And that transparency is really important and, and it has a direct impact on the decisions they make. So yeah, I completely agree. 
All right. So, I mean, you've, throughout our conversation, we've we talked we've sort of talked a bit about some implications for brands, but perhaps you know, I could ask you to sort of you know, what, what piece of advice would you give a brand looking to navigate this hyper fatigue trend? Tom, you, you kind of you mentioned earlier um, that Apple and um, Android um, give you the options to um, sort of. Uh, limit your use um, or keep a monitor use of, of, of apps or how much you're using your phone. And I think I think that's that's a really good way. That's a good place to start. Um, and I think that even that can be further personalized. You know, you can track sort of who you're even speaking to or um, you can set timers on very specific apps, whether it's a gaming app or um, a social networking platform. Um, so that that would be, I think that will continue to be really useful for people moving forward. Um, I think at the moment, uh, a lot of us are in that space where, you know, we're wanting to save, um, you know, as we've already said, inflation is continuing to put pressure on all of us and any opportunities via tech or otherwise to save money um, will be very popular. I think there was one, um, app, uh, a friend of mine recommended to me actually recently, it's called um, Airtime Rewards. And I think you're able to like sort of get cash back and rewards through like Boots or Greg's or Wilco's um, when you make purchases there. And then that that money then goes towards paying your phone bill. So sort of, I think that's really, I think a lot of consumers will find that really useful. Um, it's a really great opportunity to kind of cover your costs. And I think it really will empower people as well. I think people want to have more money available at the end of the month to be able to spend on experiences, um, on their interests. Like they want to go to the theatre, they want to go on holiday, they want to, um, you know, go and see people. They want to, you know, they really want to indulge. They want to go to restaurants. They do want to spend. Um, it's not all about saving constantly. And, uh, you know, especially the, the, you know, younger consumers who we often refer to as the most adventurous age group. Um, but we often refer to them in the sense where it's like they're constantly looking for sort of experiences, entertainment. But they're adventurous in the sense where, you know, they're really starting to think about their future as well. Um, and they want to save for that. Um, and I think this is a really good opportunity actually for, you know, fintech finance companies, even mortgage companies to even think about how they can help younger people. I think they're, they're really starting, starting to take risks. You know, there's a lot of us who are, you know, buying our first property. They're, you know, taking investment risks. They're starting a business. Um, you know, they're really starting to see the benefits of, of how this can help shape their future. And I think that will really help. Um, I think brands should definitely take that into account because this is how they can kind of steer consumers from feeling financially or otherwise fatigued to feeling financially empowered. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think it's. It, it, I think the main thing is it's just really important for brands to just consider what it is that they're asking consumers to do when they, you know, when with a perhaps with a marketing campaign or with a with a with a project. There's there's always so much demand, particularly online, for people to just spend as much time as possible. So you know, the metric that you measure is is just eyeball time. You know, how much how much of people's time can you get them to spend looking or you know interacting with your brand? But actually, can you do that more productively? We've seen already that actually too much eyeball time can actually be negative and people can come away with it can come away from that experience kind of resenting it you know I've, i i could spend absolutely ages going down a, a tiktok rabbit hole or a rabbit hole on on, on reddit and, and i might spend absolutely ages on it but then i come away thinking I, I need to delete TikTok because otherwise I'm just not never going to get anything else done. So actually, how can how can that experience be productive and have something 
that you take away and make sure that time is actually kind of is beneficial to them and that they're going to think back on it positively um, and the other thing that we haven't entirely touched on we talked about in a previous podcast andrew is the is the future of the kind of metaverse and and not just you know whether or not you believe as a metaverse as a topic put to the side but the technology which there's so much investment into technologies related to it that it's going to kind of change the way that people interact with the internet and online spaces and so it's going to become increasingly important for brands to think about how people are spending time in their sort of digital brand experience you know whether that be a digital shop or a digital space or an event um, and making sure that that the well-being of, of those consumers is taken into account in that process um, because we have seen so many times that technology can easily end up being what could be positive, could end up becoming a negative. And it's just something that always needs to be front of mind, I think, when you're developing any kind of brand experience moving forward, especially in, in new new digital spaces and new digital experiences. Well, I think for, for travel brands in particular, it's about striking this balance between maximizing the utility of technology and minimizing the reliance on technology. So being able to use things like um, algorithmic learning to surface the most um, compelling and the most relevant search options for someone booking travel. But then giving them an, an itinerary or helping them create an itinerary that if they want to be disconnected from from tech, which is is something that we're seeing uh, is is a big um, sort of feature in destinations, more remote, you know, less connected areas, is making them feel secure in where they are and that they can kind of make them remember that they can get around with without the use of a smart device all the time. You know, they can use a map and as directions. So having having that, so sort of using tech to make them confident that they're getting there. And then once they're there, make sure that they're confident that they can get back without it. Great. All right. Well, last question for you. Obviously, the holidays are, are upon us. Um, do you have any tips to help listeners to navigate hyper-fatigue during the holiday season and, and coming into the new year? I think from my perspective, I was going to give one tip, particularly from a technology perspective, uh, for, for, for the Christmas period and generally, it would be to turn off as many notifications on your phone as you can. Oh, yeah. I think Agree with notifica that notifications are one of the the most stress-inducing things, even if they're mundane and you know irrelevant. So many apps are constantly pinging you on your phone. So... I turn or go through the apps list and turn off notifications for absolutely everything unless it's absolutely essential uh, and even those ones that are put them on silent you know come come you, you should access technology on your own terms not not get sucked into it when you don't want to that would be my tip yeah for travel um i'd say statistically if you've booked a trip you've already booked it so you're locked into your plans i would say that remember that the people that are working at uh, your travel brands, your airlines, your hotels, uh, they're probably short staffed. They aren't as they aren't happy that your flight's been delayed either. Um, just try to be patient and nice with them. Uh, that's probably the best thing you well, can do. We also know statistically that if you are stressed out, you are going to hate everything uh, at the airport. So do yourself a favor and, a bit of and don't get, don't try not to get too worked up. Um, I know I said before that, um, you know, with TikTok, for example, that, you know, uh, like 
following video tutorials and videos on how to cook, for example, is, is very popular. But I think I think one piece of advice I'd give is is to actually try cooking something without looking at anything. Just just have a go at making making something new without looking at tech or apps or social media and just make lots of errors in the kitchen and fall flat on your face. <laughs> um, I think that's the best way of of of. That's sometimes it's sometimes it's it's nice. I think it's refreshing. You actually learn a lot from your mistakes, um, and I think it's nice to kind of steer away from this idea of being perfect as well, which sometimes we can we can fall into when we're when we when we overuse tech. Um, so yeah, give it a go. See what happens. Excellent. Well, I love that. These are all these are all great tips. I'd throw one in there. Stretch more. I was like again using technology, Instagram, <laughs> oh, all this exercise oh, about really stretching great. my back. Oh yes. Um, all right. Well, this has been a great uh, end of end of season holiday uh, conversation. Yeah, really lots to, to digest and, and to unpack. Um, I think sort of three kind of big takeaways for me. I think it comes down to understanding how consumers are feeling you know a lot of these trends that we put together at mintel it's all about you know what motivates them what their aspirations are because that unlocks opportunities for brands in way you know shows them how they can support consumers how they can help consumers i think you know one of the kind of key themes sort of that kept coming back through these conversations the conversation today was around making digital uh interactions much more intentional you know not just noise i think mike you talked about striking the balance and you know that's important you know you all stress how important you know these digital tools are and how helpful they can be uh but you know it's like when you tom and you mentioned the banking apps you know some of them just get overloaded with like meaningless digital features you want something intentional that's actually going to help you in your life and then you know finally i think consumers are uh, clearly seeking and will value meaningful authentic experiences as they as the antidote um to hyper fatigue and of course that sets the stage nicely for things like the travel industry going into um uh, 2023 so all right thank you tom uh thank you namada thank you mike uh thank you everyone for listening if you want to know more about mintel who we are and what we do head over to mintel.com check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts and sign up to become a member of the free mintel spotlight community Good news. We'll be back next year for a new season. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wish you a happy holidays and a wonderful new year. Goodbye for now. We'll catch you in 2023 for season five of the Mintel Little Conversation. 